What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm your host, Brad, joined by my co-host, Carrie. What's up? That's it. It's the, the white album version of, <laughs> of Dense Pixels this week. Uh, Micah has a fussy child. Uh, Terrence has something else going on. So he is the two-man or two-person crew, as it were, uh, with this uh, with this episode this week. Um, let us get right into what we have been playing uh, I will start real quick because mine won't take very long. Uh, obviously, been playing way more Anthem. Um, finished the campaign. Really enjoying it still um, so far. Performance issues are still kind of annoying. Like I literally just had uh, for the second time the issue where I went to just close the app when I was done playing as I like to do with these type of games because you get disconnected anyway. Right. And it shut my PlayStation down. So I had to get that fixed. That kind of needs to be addressed, guys. Let's... uh. Like I said, I, I didn't make a big stink about it in the form in the Dead Pixels group, but uh, that kind of stuff does need to get ironed out sooner rather than later. Because, again, the perception is not great when you have those kind of issues still. Um, I will say that I invested this week into a solid state hard drive okay. uh, that I'm using on my PlayStation for my larger games for like my destinies and my anthems and whatnot whatnot and that's actually helped quite a bit um so if there's you have a lot of games that have excessively long load times uh you may want to look into that because apparently ssds uh help cut down that quite a bit apparently a lot of it's more your console and less the game uh with stuff like this so like i said huge performance improvement um the other thing that i did is i did check out the division two beta uh, they had okay. the, the open beta this past weekend. I saw my husband playing a little bit of that. That game does not have a soul, unfortunately. <laughs> it's so well, like not that Anthem and Destiny are are the bastion of storytelling, especially when compared to right. games with an actual story like God of War and 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 things like that. <laughs> but they still have memorable characters, memorable like moments, cutscenes, things like that, and that helps when you are investing 60 plus 70 plus 100 plus 200 plus hours in these game worlds that that you have these characters that you can interact with and you know these these epic moments and things of that nature and while the division the gameplay is fun um it's if you're a nerd like if you like min maxing and optimization stuff like that it is a great game for that it's it has probably the most information presented to you that i've ever seen out of like a live service games like they even have like a graph that shows like the damage drop off of every weapon that you pick up at different ranges and stuff like that interesting on every gun that you get so it's very cool in that respect but in terms of the game just like having this like soul that that you can kind of connect with and grab onto it does not because it's just like a really Shitty looking Washington DC, or really just Washington DC. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and it, it like it's just dudes. Like the fact that it takes place in somewhat of a contemporary time doesn't help because it. it I don't like being grounded in reality in games like this too much. Um. So it just yeah, it's it just kind of it's just kind of void of of stuff to keep me interested in playing the game. Um, so I don't think that's going to be one that I check out. That's honestly. fair. Unless, unless the reviews are like, no, it's the story's actually amazing and they have amazing characters and stuff like that. Then maybe I'll give it a shot. But the, the I gave the beta sh- a chance, played a couple missions, and it's just not, it's just not my thing. Well, that's think. what betas are for. That is what betas. Are. Well, that's not what that's not what betas are for from a publisher standpoint. But oh. that's what betas are for from a player standpoint, right? For sure. 
is to really kind of get a feel for for the game. So yeah, Division Two will be a pass for me. Um, but yeah, like I said, if you guys played it and liked it, then uh, look forward to next week. So Carrie, I'm curious to hear about the the bringing back of two forgotten video game characters from yesteryear. Sure, Toe Jam and Earl. Yes, are back in the groove. They are. Uh, so four years ago, uh, a young lass by the name of Carrie gave a Kickstarter some money, and uh, that game went through a long development process, changed its visual style a couple of times, got a publisher, lost the publisher. Eventually, they decided to self-publish, and four years later, it came out, and that is Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. And... To my absolute delight and surprise, it's really fun. Um, it's, I feel like it bucks the trend of Kickstarter games being complete wastes of time. Uh, it's, it's super fun. I don't really know how to describe Toe Jam and Earl. Um, this is the fourth game in the franchise. They made four? They, this is the fourth, yes. So, they made, wait, they made three on Genesis? They made two on Genesis and one on Xbox. Okay. Yes, the often forgotten Toe Jam and Earl 3, uh, like, Return to Earth or something like that. Which was, it's one of those things where, I think back to the original Kickstarter pitch where the creator, Greg Johnson, was like, the first time I made this game, you know, I wanted to have a game with funky aliens and cool music, and he took a lot of inspiration from Rogue. It is a roguelike, um, the original game. And the game sold decently and was critically acclaimed and Sega said, okay, we'll let you do another game, but make it a platformer. So Toe Jam and Earl 2, uh, Panic on Funkatron, is a platformer. Um, it had some fun quirks to it that differentiated it from other platformers, but it wasn't the game that they really wanted to make. And then when they went back to the drawing board for a third one, they were like, okay, we really want to do another roguelike Toe Jam and Earl, like the first game. And then the publisher was like, that's not going to make us any money. Do this instead. So Toe Jam and All 3 came out and it was, you know, sort of mixed reviews and not really what the creators wanted to do with it. So um, fortunately, they able to they were able to hold on to the rights of the characters. So they went to Kickstarter and they raised five hundred thousand dollars or something like that. They eventually had to get additional funding in order to finish the game. But it returns to what the very first Toe Jam and Earl game was, um, which is an experience that's really hard to describe. Um, you can play as either Toe Jam or Earl. This game has an extended character roster, so you can play as Letitia or Luanda or um, like Earl's mom um, and Peebo and a couple of the other aliens from Funkatron. Um, and the goal is... You have to get all 10 pieces of the Ratmaster rocket, which are spread across various levels. There's no real combat. You're mostly avoiding Earthlings. Mm. And er some Earthlings can do damage. Some are just annoyances. Um, some can knock you down to other levels. Um, yeah, so it's basically like it's a game designed for co-op. Um, like you want you can do couch co-op like you could on the original or you can uh, do online co-op, which I've done a little bit of. Um, and you go through the levels and you get your rocket pieces and you get in elevators and you go up and down on these levels of Earth that were created. Because, by the way, Earth got sucked through a black hole. And so now Earth is just like randomized masses of 
islands, land masses that are just like sort of stacked on top of each other. Um, so yeah, enjoy some really good baselines. And uh, <laughs> I I cannot say enough about how fucking good the soundtrack to this game is. It's so good. Like when they sent out the soundtrack to Kickstarter backers, I listened to it. I was like, holy shit, this is so funky. Like just real good, just like fat, chunky bass lines. And I was like, if the game comes out and it sucks, God, at least the soundtrack is good. But the game is really fun. Um, it's just a lighthearted, good time. Um, they included a difficulty mode that's literally called Toddler that's meant for, like, young kids because the original Toe Jam and Earl came out in 1991. So they figured, well, you know what? Um, plan on normal difficulty might be a little too difficult for the children of the original people who were playing this game almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that has been received very well. Um, it's just, it's good. Everything's good. It's a really weird, funky roguelike. And I like it a lot. And I can say earnestly that I'm really glad that I backed this on Kickstarter when I did. Well, I think this might be the first video game success story, I guess, that on Kickstarter. At least one that I'm anecdotally privy to. Yeah. In terms of that. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that you do not feel fleeced out of money and time. No. Uh, when it comes to this game, then. No. Pretty, I, the graphics are pretty much just very similar, just with like a little sharper coat of paint as the Genesis version, pretty much. Yeah, right? I mean, they, they made it sort of look like a Saturday morning cartoon, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. yeah. It almost looks like, it, it almost looks like, um, what was the Adult Swim cartoon with the fast food character? Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yes, it, looked, yeah. it has that kind of vibe, <laughs> I feel like, to it. Um, when I just I'm looking at some screenshots right now, yeah, uh, just to get that. So well, good. I'm, Look, I'm it's glad. it's only it's only twenty bucks. Um, it's on all three consoles and PC. Um, I mean, for twenty bucks, I would absolutely recommend that people pick it up. So, especially if you have kids. So fair enough. And but I I still again don't don't back Kickstarters even even though this one worked out well. Yeah, just don't do it, kids. This this is the exception, I guess, that proves the rule. So it's Toe Jam and Earl back in the group. So new releases this week. Uh, if you're not privy to Toe Jam and Earl, uh, you can check out Devil May Cry 5. Look forward next week to Micah and Terrence's impressions on that game. Uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn is coming to the 3DS this week. Uh, better late than never, I guess. Uh, it's a new month, so we do have some new games with gold and some new free PlayStation Plus games. Uh, your games with gold this month, you get uh, Adventure Time. Uh, I'm not sure which one that one is because it's really oh there we go Pirates of the Enchiridion Enchiridion uh for the entire month of March for free and then from the end of March second half the halfway point of March through the midway point of April you can get Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare two uh for Xbox 360 which is their backwards compatible first half of the month you get Star Wars Republic Commando <coughs> which is an original Xbox game for free. And then you get Metal Gear Rising Revengeance uh, in the second half of the month of March. That sure was a game that they made. You know what? That game was actually good. I heard it was actually a lot of fun. It's just, you know, it's not what you expect from a Metal Gear title. No, it is a a DMC game in Metal Gear, Mm -hmm. basically. So if if you like that sort of thing, then you would probably uh, dig, dig that quite a bit. Um, I put the wrong link in. You for sure the, did uh, for the uh, PlayStation Plus game. So give me a second; I will find that real quick. 
Whoopsie doodle. Yeah, what are you going to do? Well, <laughs> it's fine. What are you going to do? It happens sometimes. Uh, let's see here. So we have free PlayStation Plus games for March 2019. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered is going to be free for the PS4. Oh, boy. Uh, as well as the Jonathan Blow uh, masterpiece in his own mind, The Witness, uh, the puzzle game uh, oh, that he made. Right. That was $40 when it first came out. Mm. And probably it wasn't worth $40. Uh, but now you can play it for free. So like I said, my my desire, my lack of desire to support Jonathan Blow financially has paid off <laughs> for me. So I will absolutely download The Witness <laughs> uh, and check it out. And uh, and I'll download Call of Duty 2. Call of Duty 4 is a useful game to have in your back pocket. So, Get that COD mod? Maybe. Maybe I'll play it at some point. Maybe not. I did like the campaign of Call of Duty 4 back when, so... If anything, maybe we'll just go through that again. So those are your free games that you get uh, for Xbox and PlayStation this month. Uh, some quick hit news stories. Uh, Fortnite has already ganked <laughs> the ping, the the fantastic revolutionary ping system from Apex Legends uh, in just a month's time. Look, man, Fortnite did not become the most popular game in the world uh, by, by doing anything original. Correct. They are they are truly the apple of the video game universe where they let other people make really good ideas and then they steal them and put them in their own game and that's a, market it really well. That's a hot take, but I agree with it completely. It's a true take. It what do you, what, Steve, Steve Jobs literally said that one time. He's like, he's like, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of smart people borrow and genius steals. And he's right. Yeah. So it is what it is. So yeah, like I said, new feature uh, that's been all the rage in Apex Legends. You can now do it in Fortnite. So uh, my favorite tweet on this is one linked in this Polygon article that we have where it's like Fortnite's like, hey, can I borrow your homework? And Apex is like, yeah, just make sure it changes a little so the teacher doesn't notice. Right. Yeah. That's basically what you got there. So that is now in Fortnite. Uh, but Apex Legends not suffering at all. Uh, they had over 50 million players uh, for their first month, which is pretty damn impressive. That's the definition of the new hotness. Uh, very much so. It actually took. Fortnite several months to hit that 45 million mark. Um, but yeah, so Apex Legends setting the world on fire. And look, to to be fair, riding Fortnite's coattails to some extent there as well. So like I said, it's all cyclical. Um, I cannot wait for the next EA earnings call, not because I'm just curious to see how Anthem did um, <laughs> in terms of net sale. Well, you know, you will see. We'll see. Huh. It's it's a, a lot of times the noise around these games can be louder than the actual than the actual uh, reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, but also because I'm curious to see how Apex did uh, financially in its first couple months of existence. So that Q1 earnings call I will be waiting for with earnest uh, more so than I would normally do for such a thing. <laughs> so, but yeah, 50 million unique players on Apex Legends in a month's time is insane sounding to me. Mm hmm. Uh, Evo 2019 is happening <laughs> this July, uh, the night or sorry, this August, rather August 2nd through 4th at its <laughs> normal home in the Mandalay Bay hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, there will be nine games that will be played in the main, in the main events for Evo this year. Uh, the nine games are street fighter five arcade edition, Tekken seven, super smash brothers, ultimate mortal Kombat 11, soul caliber six Undernight Inbirth. Dragon Ball Fighters, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, and Samurai Showdown 
not a Super Smash Brothers melee to be seen in the mix. Our long uh, national nightmare has <laughs> finally come to an end. Honestly, like uh, it's time, right? Like we had it's a new pa- it is past, long we past time. Three Smash Brothers games that have released after Super Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah, and yet Melee has persisted. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. No, nope. damn it. Nope. I mean. I feel like there's a certain degree of credit that you have to give the melee community for persisting in this fashion. They were a pair of John, Johnny sent me a video and I think he linked it in the uh, fan group, densepixels.com slash fans. Some people were big mad about the, fact Oh that yeah. This, that God. I mean, people who specialize in melee and refuse to learn any other fucking game um, are, are big mad. Yeah, absolutely big mad. But you know what? Uh, it is the year of our Lord, 2K19. Learn a different game, shithead. Let's Seriously. go. Seriously. Like, like, Melee came out, what, 2001? One or two? 2001? Mm-hmm. It was, a long, it, was, it was almost 20 years ago. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out. That game does not have to be played competitively anymore, and especially now that I think, and again, I am not in Super Smash Brothers Melee first released in Japan on November 21st, 2001. Yeah, get the fuck out of here then. Come on. That was, that's, that means that's like, that's a first year GameCube title. Literally, there are there are kids who were born the year that Melee came out who are now legal voting adults. That's what that means. And I'm I'm not someone that's in touch with the Smash Brothers community. So if anyone is, feel free to tell me I am 100 percent wrong. No, but we're not I, wrong. We're I, correct. It's time for Melee to fucking well, no, I, rest. I, I see. I feel like Ultimate is finally the game. That has, and I mean, frankly, Super Smash Bros. Wii U was also that game because Ultimate is just a refinement of that system. And that yeah, the problem was with. that no one fucking bought a Wii U except me, uh, which is fine. I'm willing to admit that. But yeah, I don't know. It's time. Ultimate it's, was good. Wii U and 3DS were good. Ultimate is better. I mean, um, I mean, Smash Bros. Wii U has been on the main stage at Evo since it's released. Every mm-hmm. single year. So it's not, it's not like there hasn't been a Smash Brothers game. It's just that Melee still had a large enough community to warrant having it there as well. Right. But yeah, it's, it's completely, it's, it's had its day. It's past its prime. It's had its time. That's, that's it. You know, it doesn't need to be, it hasn't needed to be there no. forever. No. Now, if we could just get rid of the GameCube controllers no. out of Smash Brothers. Nope. I like my GameCube controller. It's so bad. I got these tiny baby hands. <laughs> so awful though teeny tiny baby hands it works for me man uh (laughs) it continues to be the worst i'm sorry so the last uh news story before we get into our topics this week so uh bungie released a vidoc last week uh detailing what is going to be coming in the new season of the drifter in destiny 2 um the drifter of course is the character in the game that is associated with the new gambit mode that came in with forsaken so of course the major changes that have been announced so far uh are centered around this gambit mode the biggest thing that they're doing is they're adding a new version of gambit uh that is called gambit prime uh unlike the traditional gambit mode there's only be one round instead of three in gambit prime um, it's also going to have, uh, the, the, the primeval, which is the boss you have to kill is going to be much harder. They even said that to, to, to kill the boss, you're going to have to engage as a team in raid like mechanics. So Carrie, I don't know how familiar you are with destiny, but in destiny two, the raid bosses usually have some insane, like 
puzzle that you have to solve in order to deal damage to them. And you, and that's how the raiding counters work in Destiny. So that sounds like they're going to be doing something kind of similar uh, in this Gambit Prime, where teams will actually have to learn at first, at least, how to DPS the boss, which is uh, pretty interesting. And we'll see how that goes in the first week, especially um, as people are learning how to do that. Um, they also are basically taking the four roles, which never were really official. Like, there's just four, like, you know things that you can do in gambit to help your team essentially but that was just kind of community driven well they're actually like cementing it in this mode and they're going to have specific armor sets that you can get that will come with powerful perks that you can only use in gambit prime based on your play style that you like to do so for example if you're a reaper if you like killing ads and and killing enemies well then you'll get a perk set that'll let you weaken high value targets it'll let you generate special ammo uh, the moats that you generate will stay on the ground longer than the other moats do, which usually disappear quite quickly. And then killing powerful enemies will recharge your grenade stat. I'm not going to go through all of them, um, but they're, like I said, they're very crazy-looking perks. Uh, if you are familiar with Gambit, I would recommend checking out uh, the Bungie video that they released on YouTube today, checking that out. There's also a game mode associated with this called The Reckoning, which seems to be like a fast-paced horde mode. That is actually how you earn these Gambit armor sets uh, that you can then use in the Gambit Prime mode. Um, they're also diving into the story a little bit. We're going to find out a lot about the group known as the Nine uh, that has been kind of shrouded in mystery since Destiny 2 came out. Apparently, they're interacting with the Drifter in some way. You also have to make a choice in the story at the beginning, whether you side with the Tower or the Drifter, uh, which may change how the story unfolds, which is kind of interesting for Destiny. They haven't really done anything like that in the past, so that could be pretty cool. Um, overall, I'm looking forward to it. It looks fun. And for those of you that are lagging behind, uh, in power level, because of course, one of the things that's going to happen is the power level maximum will increase to 700. Uh, the drifter is going to have bounties that you can get, uh, that will immediately get you to 640 straight away so that you can start experiencing this new content right away. Cause that was a big, uh, issue with the previous season that they did is they, people had to actually grind up to experience the new content, which is not ideal for stuff like that. So. Okay. Uh, looks looks neat. Um, if you're into Destiny 2, I would recommend checking out, especially if you like Gambit, because Gambit Prime uh, looks like basically high-level Gambit, which uh, which could be a good time. So we shall see. It drops tomorrow. Of course, you have to have Destiny 2 Forsaken and the annual pass to partake. That all might as well have been Russian to me. <laughs> well, you're you're going to get to speak a lot of Russian to me. I in will. A here. Before we get to that uh, bit of housekeeping, don't forget to go to youtube.com slash densepixels. Click the red subscribe button and ring the bell icon so you never miss any content that we post on YouTube. This podcast comes out in video format every week. Whenever we stream or put up any other video content, it's all going to go right there. So again, youtube.com slash dense pixels. If you are a premium member or say if you're not a premium member for TMP Studios, you should rectify that immediately. It's just $5 a month or $50 for the entire year to get access to the Look Forward Political Podcast, the Airing of Grievances, the Men with the Golden Tongues, and No Time to Bleed, which is a premium slate of shows. Uh, Look Forward is worth that by itself, quite frankly. I was forward, on that recently. You were, and I, I, was. Was, on, I was on this week as well. Um, yeah. Went over the Michael Cohen uh, hearing for about an hour and a half. I got to talk about wild. abortion. I actually found so, your conversation to be very insightful. Yeah, because week. imagine having a fucking uterus haver to talk about abortion um, makes the conversation more interesting than just listening to penis havers talk about it. 
Yeah, I mean that's uh, and again, it's it, you need that perspective. You yeah. need that perspective, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Um, but yes, like I said, look forward by itself is great if you like politics. And if not, there's plenty of other shows and plenty of backlog of content that you can check out if you've never been a premium member for. So again, densepixels.com slash premium. And no matter what pod catching app that you use, make sure you subscribe to this show and all of the other TNP studio shows that includes the Nerdpocalypse, black on black cinema and coming distractions. So topics of the week, uh, Carrie, I will yield the floor okay. to you first. Cool. Uh, tell me. Why you are excited about the eight-minute Nintendo Direct that came out uh, last week? We we get new Pokemon. We're getting Pokemon on Switch. It's called Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, and that had better mean that the third version is called Pokemon Gun. I thought Um, they don't do third versions anymore. They they don't. No, they've they've largely issued that practice at this point. It's been, I think, close to a decade since they've done that. Uh, yeah, no, I am very excited. Um, it looks great. The environments look incredible. Um, yeah, new Pokemon. Here's, here's the hardcore mainline Pokemon series game that everyone fucking bitched and moaned about when, uh, they released Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, both of which were, by the way, absolutely delightful to play. Um, but yeah, here's the more traditional, Pokemon experience featuring random battles, etc. They made sure to show off random fucking battles in this quick direct and whatnot. So yeah, um, it's cool. It takes place in a new region called the Galar region, which is clearly based on the UK. And um, it's interesting. It's a different sort of map than what we've seen. Uh, we've seen a lot of regions that sort of go east to west or more square type regions. This one's very tall. It's a north to south sort of region, which I like. Um, the new player characters are really cute. Uh, the starters have grown on me in the last week. When I first yeah, saw I, them, I, remember, I was I just the like, knee jerk, I remember the knee jerk reaction was not, uh, yeah, my knee jerk reaction great. was, these are all ugly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Now the more that I look at them, I'm just like, no, they're fine. I like them. Well, um, so, someone, someone, some intrepid person out there, uh, clearly like, like put a side by side comparison. And those starters were clearly, at least visually, somewhat inspired by the Powerpuff Girls. There's nothing that you can do. <laughs> yeah, There's someone, nothing that you can say to change my mind. Did that. That yeah, correct. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the grass type is Grookey, um, the fire type is Score Bunny, and the water type is Sobble. So Grookey is a monkey, and. Grookey has really grown on me, one, because a lot of people have been posting really funny fucking fan art of him. But also, ever since someone said the phrase grass monkey, now I have the Beastie Boys song Brass Monkey stuck in my head every time I look at his stupid face. So he's currently in the lead as far as... They they, they have not showed any of the evolution. No, no. And they probably won't for another couple of months. Um, Score Bunny, I think, is really cute. Um, I like a fire type that isn't just red and black. Um, I think this is the first time that we've had one that isn't just like bright red and orange or black. Um, so that's cute. And it's a bunny who doesn't like a bunny. And Sobble seems to be the sentimental favorite for anxious millennials all over the place because his name is Sobble and he cries a lot. Um, so he's the relatable content starter for, uh, members of my generation 
Um, yeah, I think they're all kind of cute. Um, I'm going to yield final judgment on which one I'm actually going to pick until the final evolutions come out. So, um, but like there, there isn't really one that like grabbed my attention, um, right off the bat, the same way that Litten did in Sun and Moon, where I was just like, I'm going to protect this fire cat with my entire life. I would take a bullet for Litten. Don't talk to me about Litten. I love him. Um, not the same sort of vis- visceral reaction to these three, but mm. yeah, I mean, I'm interested in seeing how things play out. I'm interested in seeing, what, if anything, they take from the gameplay differences that Let's Go has from the rest of the series. I'm interested in whether or not we're going to return to the eight gym badges and then Elite Four that Sun and Moon sort of did away with. Um, so, well, that's that's my question for you. So, as, as someone who has only ever played two Pokemon games okay. and not for several years. Um, it, to me, just looks like a much prettier, uh, much more modern-looking version of just classic Pokemon. So are you, are you disappointed that you were getting something that, it, that I, I say is very safe? Or did you really want something that was going to push the envelope a little bit more since this is arguably the first time we're getting a mainline Pokemon game on a proper console. console. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so few things were really shown in this trailer, right? Like we saw a lot of the environments. Um, we didn't really see any NPCs. We just saw the two default player characters and we saw, um, the starters and that was sort of it. Right. Um, so I feel like it's sort of too early to judge like what what they're doing right, whether or not they're actually playing it as safe as people sort of think they're playing it. Um, the shot in the trailer that really stood out to me was at the end of the sort of like introduction and whatnot before the separate thing that introduced the three starters was the fact that you saw the male player character in what looked to be like a uniform, like walking into an arena and to me, that that really makes me sort of pause because that's like, okay, well, are we joining teams? Is the Pokemon League in this region like an actual league? Like, is it more of a skills competition rather than outright just sort of like battling head to head? Like, what what's the what's the twist here? Like, why is he wearing that uniform? Why is he going into the arena, the stadium, dressed like that? So. I'll be very excited to see what comes next. Um, I've been, I've had like a really good week for Pokemon in general. We got, we got the announcement of Sword and Shield. We got, um, a new Detective Pikachu trailer and we got the first full trailer for the remake of Mewtwo Strikes Back. I'm doing well on Pokemon. So that's cool. Um, yeah. and, And from someone who, like I said, played it back in the day. Uh, this trailer really didn't do anything to to pique my interest or get right. me excited or anything like that. So it's 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 definitely for the fans. Um, and again, it's 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 nice to see it on. I don't want to say it, I don't mean to demean the the handheld Nintendo handheld lineup, but a real console, right? Um, and and in you know full color and and 
you know, nice models fully three D, like, like right. nice tall, you know, realistic looking models instead of like tiny baby squat children. <laughs> it's it's gonna be interesting because. I don't know. It's just because that top down, like old school RPG perspective is so like reinforced in my brain mm-hmm. that this really like low angle perspective, this, you know, third person behind the back perspective that they're rolling with seems really strange to me. Yeah, no, it's definitely different. Um, I'm just like, I'm looking forward to like, again, I loved Let's Go. Um, I'm a sucker for Gen 1 nostalgia. So. Yeah, I I really enjoyed Let's Go. I hope that they remake all of the other gens in the Let's Go style too. I, I mean, would... if I mean if Let's Go, I mean Let's Go. I'm assuming did pretty fucking well. Yeah, um, give me give me Let's Go Meryl. Like, yeah. give me give me Gen Two, please. That's the best gen. I will I will fight you if you say that any other gen besides Gen Two is the best gen. I Legit. Mean, gen Gen Two is one of the only gens that I've ever played. So there yeah. you go. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm I, <laughs> I have two Pokemon tattoos on my back. Obviously, I'm fucking playing this game. Um, so oh, and I I should mention we got a fall, but not a specific release date. Just fall. No, I mean, so. I I assume that this will come out in mid November. It will be in stores before Black Friday, and they'll do the simultaneous worldwide release that they've been able to pull off for the last few generations so it, it hard to believe we're up to gen eight already. eight that's kind of wild to me yep so. i've been playing these games for 21 years yeah very cool i mean like i said it, it's pokemon is is doing something right obviously because yep. they keep uh they keep making that money so uh people were excited though it's good i'm glad for folks uh that they have this to look forward to and they yeah, and you know nintendo's gonna you know leave the breadcrumbs uh, periodically over time to get people hyped for it. They, yeah. know, they know what they're doing when it comes to, this, to these games. I mean, sure. chances are what will happen is um, Nintendo has classically released new information in uh, the Japanese magazine Koro Koro. Um, so we'll get probably little bits of information, I would say probably every month, and then you'll probably have maybe another big Pokemon direct later in the year. And then you'll see a ton of new information at E3 this year. The thing that I'm most curious about is they are going to have something with this game to tie in to the switch online service. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be something more than just, you can battle your friends, you know, and trade and stuff like that. I am cautiously optimistic about having online cooperative multiplayer. That's the dream, isn't it? So, look, I'm fine playing Pokemon by myself. I don't need anybody else. I did not become a Pokemon master with anybody holding my hand. Thank you very much. (laughs) So, my topic for this week, um, we we talked about Anthem a bunch last week. Of course, the 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 news has continued for Anthem both positively and negatively because Bioware put out several updates over this last week, including addressing. Um, like dead inscriptions, which are perks that you can get on weapons and things of that nature and doing stability fixes and stuff like that. And they're, and they're being super reactive to, to the game early. But of course, you know, the stuff I mentioned earlier, you know, the technical issues still persist. Um, there's still an issue with the quick play mode in the game, which is really unfortunate because it's kind of necessary to do that once you get to the end game in order to progress the end game along. So it's still got a rocky road and, 
we we were talking in the group about this, and Terrence, of course, is a shit stirrer, so he's coming in <laughs> stirring shit. But um, I was talking with another with another listener, and I think it was I think it was Dara was who I was talking to in there, and she was asking like why you know why didn't this game release done? And I was not really defending Anthem per se, though I was, but I was really defending live service games as a whole and saying hey. You know, you know, these types of games are kind of kind of a unique burn in the game space because since they are online, since they are required online, since they have a massive community that deals them and since the balance of loot is a very difficult thing to nail down in these games because the loot is what drives people to play the games is that it's a tricky balance that you can't ever perfect before a game releases and you have to. You have to really wait till it gets in the wild and you let people pretty much break your game so that you can see what's wrong so that you can fix it. Um, We've seen in every live service game that has ever come out ever and Mm -hmm. every looter that's ever come out ever quite frankly. So it got me thinking that the question with games like this always seems to be expectation versus reality. And this isn't limited to looters either. All you have to do is go back two and a half years to No Man's Sky. One of the most hyped <laughs> games of all time, but I would what, what I would still say is a live service game of sorts. It is. Um, it sort of turned into one. I don't know that they were necessarily planning it on having it what are be they, that way. They did plan on releasing new features and updates. For well, I mean, there's sure, but I think the sort of updates that they needed to do in order to get people to come back. After the initial launch. Right. Um, but but I, I would also like to believe that a lot of those updates, it's not like they invented them when they had the bad launch. I really think no. a lot of that stuff was planned for the game, but they couldn't get it out in time for the game to release. Maybe. But the question that I that I thought about is how should game companies be marketing games like this? And it's tricky business because on there's really two aspects of this on your one hand you have your fortnights and you have your you know your your battle royale games your free-to-play games that have the advantage of getting to use terms like early access Mm -hmm. and getting to be you know oh this is free but it's not really finished it's an evolving product that that's going to change over time and because you're not paying any money to get into the door you're a lot more accepting of that. On the other hand, you have games like Anthem, like Destiny, like The Division 2 is going to be next week, like No Man's Sky, that arguably need to have that same level of expectation set to them. But the difference is, is that you are paying to experience that content in advance. Right. So, so it's... It, it's... Well, it is with, different. With, it's like with it's, money comes expectation, though. Like, right. You expect, absolutely. Hey, I'm paying sixty dollars for this game. I'm expecting a sixty dollars game. Right. It's like it, exactly that. I if I'm paying sixty dollars for a game, I expect it to arrive in some sort of degree of what we would qualify as a finished state, um, as opposed to this game is like seventy five percent of the way there, and we still have a bunch of shit that we need to do in order to balance and patch and this, that, and the other. Um, so I don't. Marketing a game like that is obviously very, very difficult because no marketing professional on earth wants to 
go in front of an audience and be like, yeah, we know it's going to be janky as shit, but can you still give us money, please? Like, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take it one further. Any game that's coming out from a large publisher can't do that. Could you imagine if Bioware had been hyping up Anthem, but they were hyping up Anthem as, well, you know, it's, you know, Anthem, it's the Anthem launch, basically. It's the Anthem 1.0. It's the Anthem, like the Anthem, dare I say, like beta. That That's right. a terrible connotation, but it's just like, hey, this, this is Anthem. Here it is. I, it's not done yet, though. We're going to change a lot and it's going to have some bugs like that. But it's right. It's like broken, but money, please. Right. Give us $60 for our game. Right. That, that ain't going to work. No. You're not going to you're not going to sell what you need to sell. No, literally, I think the only big company that could possibly get away with that is fucking Bethesda, because people absolutely expect their games to be fucking broken on day one. And yet here we all are. And by we all, I mean me specifically giving Todd Howard another $60 to play a broken ass <laughs> fucking game. But I think Fallout 76 is another sort of like games as service sort of situation. Oh, that's, ab- that's absolutely in this conversation. But like, it's, sure. it's one of those, you know, at this point I haven't played in a month or so. Um, but last week, week and a half ago something like that they came out with like a roadmap for the rest of the year where they were like spring here's our goal we're going to add a ton new story content we're going to add a legendary loot dealer we're going to add this that and the other and we're going to focus on creating this sort of like pve sort of content and then here's our look at the rest of the year where we know we're going to do some of this stuff for summer and some of this stuff for fall and that at the very least instills the most minor sense of confidence in me as far as what that game could potentially turn into in another six to eight months. But I don't know that you can necessarily, I don't know that you can necessarily have that sort of defined game plan, that sort of defined roadmap for eight to 12 months out on day one. I think you can actually. Hmm. And, 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 Maybe not eight to twelve months out. That's that's a longer stretch. But like I said, in that first in this first week, Bioware released their ninety day roadmap that that takes us as far as here's the content that you're getting through the month of May, essentially. Right. And that helped quell some fears or some angst that people had. Not a lot of it. Actually, a lot of people were a little miffed that like cataclysms, which are their big pinnacle end game activity, won't be coming until May. Like I think a lot of people were expecting that to come. Like in March, basically. Um, Division two just kind of gave a rough outline of what they have coming. Apparently their raids aren't even going to be available for like four months or six months after mm. the game comes out. Um, but it, which again is, is high level end game activity. So it doesn't right. need to be there on day one, but I think folks were looking for it to be there a little bit sooner considering it was a highly touted part of the game. But I actually think that since, since we're talking about marketing, I think that if you do have a $60 game, that is like this, that is a live service game. I actually think that having that roadmap before launch to say, Hey, here's what you're getting on day one. Here's what you can expect in the first, you know, couple months after the game release. I think that would actually be more helpful because again, yeah, the, the key with these games is you have to manage people's expectations. The reason that people felt, felt miffed by Anthem when it first released is they just thought there was going to be more on day one right then there was but if they had in advance said hey here's your day one content here's what you're getting in march here's what you're getting in april before the game even came out you might have had some people that would have been scared off and be like well i'm not buying it launch then because what's the fucking point right 
But I think the people that were going to buy the game at launch anyway would have been a lot more comfortable. And I think you might have headed off a lot of that negative PR that came from a lot of the people that were most looking to support you. Mm-hmm. You could have cut that off of the past if you had expectation set correctly. Right. I mean, I think that's ultimately what it boils down to is even if you've only got a 30 day plan on day one, make sure that your audience knows about the 30 day plan on day one. Like, just be like, hey, you know what? Here's what the game is looking like at launch. We will be releasing patches as quickly as we can possibly program them in order to address bugs, glitches, etc., etc. And then here's the content that we intend to add by the end of March or whatever. So, but like my, people my, have to know that day one. Like you need to have that release before the game drops. So my question for you around this then is I'm not going to ask you what level of transparency these developers should have pre-launch because obviously the correct answer to that question is as much as they can possibly give. But what level of transparency should we be able to expect that balances letting your audience be informed before the game comes out, but also keeping keeping your 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 hype level high and your and your and your sales potential high right. for the game as well. I don't know. Like it's it's a really it's a balancing act, right? It is because the more you know, as much as people appreciate transparency, um, transparency could potentially have an effect on hype and that initial sales push. So I don't know. Like I, I want, I want complete transparency from my game developers. You know, if, if a game is experiencing, you know, hiccups with development, you know, you you look at what Nintendo did a few a few weeks ago where they were like, "Hey, Metroid Prime 4 was not coming together, so we scrapped the whole goddamn thing and we started over. And we're sorry, that means you're going to have to wait longer, but we want to release a game that you're going to want to play." And like what I would want the game devs to at least say with these games as service is, Hey, you know what? The game's not going to be perfect day one. We're super excited with what we have to show you on day one. And we've got a plan and this is what our plan is for the next month, two months, whatever. Um, but it, it sucks because by saying, Hey, the game's not going to be perfect day one. And admitting that publicly is not something that I think any of these dudes are ever going to want to (laughs) do. But at the, same, at the same time, though, but I think they, people they appreciate should, honesty. They do, and and to be clear, like we've been through these style of games enough at this point that I don't think anyone should. And, and I'm talking about consumers now. I don't think anyone should reasonably go into a game that's a connected service like this and expect things to be a hundred percent good. On day one, because that's just not how it goes ever. If you don't think we're going to be repeating this same bullshit in a week and a half when Division 2 comes out, you are kidding yourself. It is going to be the same thing, maybe not on the same scale. Hopefully, they won't have the same number of server issues. Hopefully, their loot pool will be a little bit more balanced because they are really just taking what they did in the first game and bringing it over to Division 2. But you're going to see the same hiccups. You're going to see some bumps in the road. It's going to happen. I promise you. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So consumers have to, they should go into it knowing this, but they don't. And I, I think at this point, we have reached a a point with these games 
that developers, I think, have to be more forthcoming with this stuff. I think they have to sit there and, like you said, say, hey, there's going to be some stuff on day one that doesn't work like it's supposed to. And we're going to we need you guys to report that. We need to know it as soon as possible and we'll fix it as soon as we can. But that but with a game like this, it's inevitable that, right. that stuff like this is going to happen. And look, that might cost you sales out of the gate. Will it cost you as many sales as it might have cost Anthem in this week one, you know, fuck or the you know, first I don't two think week, so. you know, fire that's been going on? Probably not. No. Will it cost you as many sales as I know Fallout 76 was cost by releasing in the state that it released in last November? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. There's no, no way. Mm-mm. There's no way it could. Because that that was like Fallout 76 is still probably the the gold standard for how not to release a game. Yeah. Of this style. Yeah. For sure. Like people are like, man, Anthem's bad. You guys have very short term memory loss. <laughs> <laughs> you, you forget how, how last November went for for Bethesda. There's no the, the Anthem couldn't can't even approach what Fallout 76 did yeah. when that when that game first came out. So yeah, I, I like I said, I, I think that you just have to be more transparent. You have to just and just set people's expectations. Imagine what how different no man the No Man's Sky launch could have gone if again they had maybe if they just had a roadmap of yeah. when new features were going to be added to the or game. you know if they hadn't you know bullshitted their way through what game sure, footage and was right, and that and that's and that's a problem unique to that specific yeah. game um because the other alternative quite frankly and and for stuff like anthem and destiny and the division i don't think this is a viable alternative a lot of times you release the game for free and you and you make your money you, through micro transactions and expansions right uh. and that your game better be exceptional if, if that's the case to yeah. make that kind of money because that's the only that that's i think that's the only way that you can tell people to just shut the fuck up if they're bitching yeah like if your game comes out for free and and it's rocky at first or even if it's like fucking 15 or 20 dollars like i feel like these bigger publishers can potentially get away with being like you know what 30 dollars 30 bucks yeah it's going to be janky for the first three weeks but you know what you only paid 30 bucks for it you you still log 25 hours so you're clearly still getting your goddamn money's worth out of it and uh you can if you if you like it after we fix it you can pay us all this extra fucking money for a season pass Charge more for the season pass and less, and see, less for and, the game see, up front. I, I think I think that also is going to be interesting too. Um, I don't know how Bungie's how, what the response was for the annual pass for Destiny, um, which is like I said, a basically a season pass version. Yeah. Um, that they release or more like a battle pass thing that they release for Destiny too. I don't know how well that's doing, but if that does do well, then that might be the future for a lot of these games. Is to, instead of doing. I, I, instead of doing paid DLC, you have Battle Pass, which essentially is like paid DLC. And we'll see. It, 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 I would, I would actually be really curious to see a game of that caliber release at 30 and see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, fuck's sake, PUBG came out at 30 bucks and that was a broken fucking mess and people bought the shit out of that. Yeah. Now, mostly because that had a, a unique game mode. Um, but that's all that game was was Battle Royale. It was yep. 30 bucks and people ate it up. Mm-hmm. So. We'll see. Um, it is it is a curious question though, and I, and I, again, expectations versus reality is the thing that kills this stuff at launch, and that's that's what they need to fix the most. Uh, before we get to the post office, don't forget go to densepixels.com/slash/amazon to buy your copy of Anthem. Apparently, it's on sale for nine dollars off right now. 
Um, but yeah, th- uh, you can go ahead and get that. Everything you buy on there helps support this podcast, which we appreciate. Uh, so again, densepixels.com slash Amazon for any purchase you make on Amazon, big or small. So a couple questions in the post office this week. Uh, Trey, I'm going to read your question, but you picked the wrong week to ask it, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because the black guys are not here <laughs> this week. Uh, Trey says, is Devil May Cry 2 a bad game or a very bad and boring game? <laughs> Uh, I, I've heard that Devil May Cry 2 is really bad. Uh, Terrence talks about Devil May Cry 2 being awful. Uh, I've heard nothing but people saying how awful DMC 2 is. So I'm, I'm inclined to believe that it's bad. I, I don't really play these games. I'm gonna listen to the shit out of some Devil Trigger, but I will not be playing Devil May Cry 5. (laughs) So, yeah, so that, and actually this might tie into another question later on but yeah i i have no idea i haven't played my my experience in the devil may cry series consists of the devil may cry 4 demo that released on the playstation 3 and that is it so oh. there is that uh evan does not ask a question but he does say not a question but i would like to thank brad for dropping the digital codes madden 19 has been awesome so yes for those of you that did not see uh this past weekend uh, i had a few game codes to give away we dropped them off in the group uh, the only reason I'm mentioning this is to say you're welcome and to also say that if you're not a part of our fan group, densepixels.com slash fans, you should, because then you could ask us questions and possibly get free games sometimes. So just plug in our fan group. Uh, Johnny talks about Melee's retirement from the Evo uh, celebration that we had. Look, we celebrated earlier. Fuck Melee. <laughs> uh, it does not need to be there. No. Ever. Um. Two more questions, actually, because I didn't see Eric's at first, but we're definitely going to answer his because I like his. Uh, Mark says, in games with multiple sequels, which games have had a high starting point only to have a steep drop off with follow up games and then have redeemed themselves with later sequels? Hmm. That is a very, very peculiar question. Um, I think you have, I think this really only works with games that have a really long um track record so like the reason i said devil may cry would come back around dmc you could argue is one of those games dmc one was very good two was a low point three got better four got better um dmc remake was really good even though people were pissed about the character uh the the you know the 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 redesign right and then five we'll see how five how five goes so that's that's a series that you could make the argument for with that hmm it's I can't, tough, isn't it? I can't really. I I mean, Final Fantasy. I guess like the initial Final Fantasy I thought was fine. Have you played Final Fantasy two? And I mean the Japanese two, not the American two, which is four. Um, no, Japanese Final Fantasy two, garbage. Japanese Final Fantasy three, garbage. But then like four, five, and six are good. And rest and, of the series and is seven. Seven was good, and eight not as much. Eight, eight just turned twenty, right? I feel like eight gets yeah, a bad a, rap. It just had, just had, nah, eight's, no, eight's like, actually not that good. I mean, I feel like eight gets a bad rap. Of, eight, of, eight, eight can be. I, I've talked about on the show before. Eight can be very easily exploited, and that's not good game design. Sure. I mean, I just, I'm just talking about like as far as the three PS One Final Fantasies. I feel like eight gets a bad rap because it wasn't seven and it wasn't nine. If you take eight in a vacuum, it's fine. 
I'm trying to think of any. I'm trying to think of games. I it's, I am struggling to think of games where it went from good to garbage back to good again. Yeah. Because because most games like especially long series do go through like a roller coaster. Yeah. Of varying quality, but never like. I can't think of anything that like really 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 sucked. I mean, I would say like. Not not good to garbage, but like good to just woefully mediocre. Um, Harvest Moon. Okay. I love that's, old that's Harvest Moon. Sure, so. Yeah, like God, like Super Nintendo Harvest Moon, the Game Boy Harvest Moons, um, Harvest Moon sixty four, the Game Boy Advance stuff, all really good, very charming. And then like you got into the DS stuff, and like I don't know, it's just it. It lacks the same sort of soul that that the older titles sort of had, and I've played the story of seasons games, and they're fine. <laughs> but um, at this point, like I'm looking forward to a re- to the remake of Rune Factory Four because that's like Harvest Moon adjacent, and it's much better than any of the recent Harvest Moon games have been. Also, you can marry monsters, and I'm very about that. Uh, There's also a lot of <laughs> games that you could consider that history has not looked kindly on but at the time people didn't have that opinion so like i suppose that's true for example like the mario kart series like Mm. people think that mario karts are all good i gotta tell you double dash double dash is not good mario kart wii really not good mario kart ds right but nobody knew that at the time right people were just like cool new mario kart right right so but 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 it's 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 hindsight that has provided us with that insight yeah so, um yeah i don't because and and the other thing is too the other reason that this typically doesn't happen is because usually if the quality goes down so badly that the series falls off usually they make them any nah. more games in the series anymore typically so it's kind of hard to to suffer uh, a really shitty game yeah um in your series uh i mean final fantasy is probably the best example and that's more of like an up and down like roller coaster yeah Particularly because, like, 9 was good. 9 was good. 10, ten is... Good. No, 10 is not good. 10 is fine. No, 10 I mean, is I, not I, fine. 10 I is overrated garbage in the same no, vein I, that 7 is overrated garbage. I personally don't like 10, but I'm not... I don't think it's a bad game. I don't think 10 is very good. No one played 12. Um, apparently 12 was good. No, apparently 12 is good. My 13? roommate played the shit out of 12. 13? Bad. No. Yeah, 13, very bad. Uh, but 15, good. So... Yeah. yeah, it's 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 it, it goes all over the place. Yeah, I guess the the difference is that like Final Fantasy now has more than three decades worth of being up and down, and has the ability to have off games and not have it kill the franchise. You know, because they've had so many successes in the past, and because they have an ardent fan base that will forgive complete fucking mediocrity like 13 and will still go out and support the hell out of it. So I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, The last question is coming from Eric who says in light of certain reviews versus player opinion, uh, how significant is fun factor to you when it comes to purchasing games? Um, Obviously referring to Anthem uh, in this specific situation. So, Fun factor is the most important factor to me in a game. It's better. It's more important than graphics. It's more important than story. It's more important than performance. It's more important than sound. Sound weirdly is probably second. Like a game with really poor sound design, I can't abide. Um, 
even more so than graphics. Like graphics, I can even <laughs> I can even <laughs> abide spotting graphics if you have good sound design. Um, but fun factor is definitely number one. If I'm not having fun playing a game, then I'm not going to play the game. Like it's just it's just not going to happen. Now, and I feel like everyone's fun factor is different. Like obviously this pertains sure. specifically to Anthem, but like let's to to talk about like a game that I feel like is lauded as one of the greatest of all times, which is Chrono Trigger. I've tried to play Chrono Trigger a dozen times over the year, but like nothing grabs me about that game. At no point have I like tried at no point have I like you know what's, had fun you know what's funny though you know you know what's funny though what the reason that I love Chrono Trigger it's one of my favorite RPGs of all time is the gameplay I love the battle system yeah but the, the thing I think is it's fantastic yeah and like it's it's one of those things where it's like it's it's not for me I I respect the hell out of the team that put it together um, I love the lore of that game, but I cannot fucking bring myself to play it because I don't have fun playing it. Um, I recently wrapped up my experience with Kingdom Hearts 1. I did not finish the game because there's an 11-part boss battle against Ansem at the end of it. And truthfully, Billy Zane can suck my dick because I... From the back. I... <laughs> absolutely... <laughs> <coughs> I I was like throwing myself at a wall over and over and over and over again. And I tried real hard to finish that last boss battle. And I eventually was like, I'm fucking done. Like I, I had the thought in my head, this isn't fun. Video games are supposed to be fun. If I'm not having fun, why am I doing this? So I ended my gameplay of Kingdom Hearts 1 at the final boss battle. I went on fucking YouTube and I watched someone else do it. And I watched the end cutscene. And that was that. I I didn't feel like I had cheated myself of an experience because all I was doing was being frustrated. And, you know, fun is everything. If you're not having fun in some sense of the word fun then why are you playing a video game? And I'll, and I'll give you mine. Here's, here's my like popular, like I can't believe he doesn't like these games. Uh, Last of Us, which I couldn't finish. I played a third of it, and I was like, this is not as fun as Uncharted is. Sorry, it just isn't. And Skyrim, a game that I invested 30 hours into, and Carrie's invested 500 <laughs> hours into over the course of the year, and it just, it just didn't jive with me. And I tried. I really fucking tried. And I'm just like, it's just not a game for me. I rebought it again years later when they came out with the HD version on PS4 and I played it for three hours and I was like, why the fuck did I buy this again? I didn't like it when it came out six years ago. Why the fuck am I going to like it now? So, and, and it's interesting because this is where the human being factor comes into play and it works both ways because when, when I was playing the last of us and I wasn't enjoying it, you know, back in 2012 when it came out, I literally was saying to myself, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why aren't I enjoying this game that everyone else is saying? That's how I feel about Chrono greatest, Trigger. Right. It's one of the greatest games of all time. It, the One of the seminal games of this generation. Why don't I like it? There's something wrong with me. And likewise with Anthem, despite the fact that I'm having a fucking blast playing Anthem right now. Part of me, and this is a, a, a completely irrational thing, feels like, am I wrong? Like, am I just Again, not seeing something? That, me, that but is... with Fallout 76 when it first came out. Like, I was just like, 
Everyone says this is garbage. Maybe this is just garbage. But like, what if it's just my garbage? What what if it's garbage <laughs> that I find appealing? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it it boils down to human nature. Everybody has their own tastes in music and movies and food. Like, why should video games be any different? Like, people should just play what they find fun. Um, and sometimes not everyone finds the same things to be fun. And that's perfectly okay because there's seven billion of us assholes on this fucking godforsaken rock that we will eventually destroy with sometime within the next 30 years, probably. And, and there's no way that all of us are going to agree on what constitutes a fun time. Like, it's fine. So- so what what I can what I can tell you, um, and this isn't the question that Eric's asking, but it's still good advice. There's a game that you're interested in. You watch streams. It looks cool. You know, you've been hyped for the game for whatever reason because you've been following its development. Don't worry about what other people are saying about it. Seriously, don't. Reviews are important, but they're not everything. It's and a good ha- baseline. It it a, allows it you baseline. to perhaps set your expectations at a certain level. And but what you also what you always have to remember with reviews, whether you're getting it from IGN or Kotaku or a streamer that you watch or from us, it doesn't matter. What you always have to remember from reviews is it is just the opinion of one person who has tastes and has biases. That might not be the same as yours, that they might look at it from a different perspective as you. So you right. can't. Here's, you can't here's take something it as that I want to stress more than anything in the world. There is no such thing as an objective review. It nor, doesn't nor exist. Should there, nor should there be, because why would you want that? No. That, and, and what I, what I have found more useful over time is to, Re here here's why I find reviews useful. I find reviews useful because it helps me learn more about the reviewer and it helps me learn which re- specific reviewers that there are out there whose tastes somewhat align with mine so that if I am not sure about a game, if it's something that I am on the fence with and I can't make a decision, hearing what that person has to say is not going to make the decision for me, but it gives me a better understanding if I'm if it's someone that I'm generally more in line with as right. far as as far as games go. Um, so yeah, fun factor is the most to get to, we, we took a, we took a big circle, but fun, fun factor is absolutely the most important thing. It's more important than anything else. And as much as I would like to pretend that I don't care about the opinion of other players, I do, but I work very hard not to let that influence me in any way. Right. I care about the opinions of my immediate friends group and that's about it. Or, or another person like, take Micah for example. Micah, Micah's opinion on games is one that I usually respect very highly because he's some, we play a lot of the same games. I know enough about Micah that when he tells me certain things about a game, I know what he's saying and I know what he's trying to get at. So like Micah's a person that, because I've known him forever, you know, that I can do that with. Essentially. So and that's, that's the key there is you just want to find people that you can jive with that 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 helps you as well but but ultimately at the end of the day if you get a chance to playing it's the thing if you get a chance to play it fucking play it yeah if you can that's that without having to pay for it ideally but if it's possible right um if you're not sure about a game so that's it for this week thank you guys for those questions uh very much appreciated good questions this week as as we get every week quite frankly uh, a bit of housekeeping at the end here uh densepixel.com slash fans is where you go to join our fan group again uh, if you want to ask us questions at the post officer of the week, you got to be there because we don't post it on the main page anymore. 
Uh, make sure he leaves a five-star review at iTunes if we get them. And if you have left one, I will apologize in advance uh, if if you left one and we haven't read it on the area because, to be quite frank, Jay is the person that checks that. I don't. I can't tell you the last time he checked five-star reviews on iTunes. So <laughs> if someone reminds us, I will check it next week, and we will catch up if there is any that we still need to read uh, since the last one that we did, which was some time ago. Uh, follow us on social media at Thens Pixels. Subscribe to the show. Again, whatever podcatcher you use, make sure you hit that subscribe button. YouTube.com slash Thens Pixels. And follow us uh, if you want to watch the stream. I do it through YouTube.com slash Thens Pixels. Uh, Carrie is on Twitch at Suppets Carrie. And Terrence is also on Twitch at Apparition 410, so yeah. you can follow us all there as well. I should be streaming more Golden Sun soon, but I also might try and figure out a way to stream Toe Jam and Earl. So, uh, What do you have it on? Uh, I have it on Steam. Wow. And well, also now easy, on Switch, because I sent a, a... Basically, I was having trouble getting the fucking thing to load on on steam so i dropped like a line like it it eventually loads it sort of hiccups on the on the initial loading screen but once you're in it's fine um and i dropped a fucking line to the support team and i was just like hey my game's not loading (laughs) i'm hacked on kickstarter and then they were like we can send you like a console code if you want and i said you know i got it to work it's fine if you want to send me a switch code that'd be cool but like don't even worry about it and they literally like 30 minutes ago we're like whoops hand slipped and so now i have a switch yeah, code sure. as well <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna turn off people by giving them free shit no so. they've been giving away a lot of free codes if you follow the toe jam and earl um twitter account um they've been dropping codes last few days like since it launched and i think they're going to continue for like a week so well there you go mm-hmm. so uh that is it from us carrie thank you for uh for being here yep amidst uh, the other guys not being here and uh, we will catch you all next week thanks guys